Welcome to the sixth podcast of Wait What. Today, we have a special guest. His name is... John Gorniak. And we have Andrew Falky. Yes, hello. And I'm we have host. myself, Nate. And so, we're going to start this podcast. I'm going to butter you up a little bit, John. All right. <laughs> so, you are one of the most manliest men I know. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're also quite beautiful, I'll be honest with you. You're a beautiful man. If I had a dollar for every time I heard a girl say... I like John. I'd have probably like five bucks. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, you're killing it. You're tall, handsome. I mean... You're too kind. Thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> you got even uh, blushing. nice little stubble going on right now. Oh, that, won't, that won't last long. <laughs> no. no. So My anyways... My doesn't like it. No? Why not? <laughs> Scratchy. Okay. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Yeah. So... What do you think of the Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather flight that's actually happening? Happening. That's actually happening? It's yeah. actually happening. <laughs> is Logan the older one? Yeah, is he's it? the one who found the dead body. Oh, okay. See, I'm not in that, like, 12-year-old generation that's, like, <laughs> yeah. obsessed with him. So I've heard the name, obviously. Yeah. And I know. Like, didn't... Wasn't there a fight with one of them just recently? Yeah, I think, actually, Jake Paul just... Uh, fought somebody yesterday and he did win he so. beat like a pro right he was an nba i think uh, uh robinson I think. yeah i think you're right he's an nba okay. so it wasn't a pro but no no he is jake the younger one yeah okay. he's the younger brother well then there was some fight between the older brother too yeah he versus ksi who was another youtuber and he lost that one. Oh, really but he okay. lost yeah oh. the first match it was a draw and then uh, the second rematch, John's gurgling over here. <laughs> he told me he wasn't hungry. I'm uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but the second rematch, uh, KSI came up on top. Like, it was a pretty close oh, wow. fight, though. Interesting. Yeah. So, I, know I don't know. I think Mayweather will crush him. He's just doing it for the money, honestly. Oh, my gosh. There's yeah. no chance, yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> literally no, no chance. Way. I don't even know why Logan Paul would even, like, consider it. It's money? Like, why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. I mean, Conor McGregor fought him. Floyd Mayweather. And that was actually a fight. Yeah. And he still lost. If it was <laughs> yeah, so. if it was um mixed martial arts, then I think Connor would have won. But in a boxing Probably, match, yeah. it's not there's no chance. No. Floyd's too good. You can't there's use takedowns or anything. Who was the wasn't there a fight before the Jake Paul one? Um not Jake, Logan. I don't know. Whoever just fought. <laughs> it was between Mike Tyson and some other dude. Oh, oh yeah. Roy. That was a good one. I heard, I yeah. think Mike won or something? Or was yeah, it a Mike draw? Tyson did win. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. I thought it was a draw. Let's but... look. Yeah, check yeah. it out. Yeah, I think that one was good. He looked good. Mike Tyson did. I think the other they're guy old was. Too. <laughs> yeah, like, what is he, 52 or something? Yeah, they're old, they're old men now. Yeah, I can't believe he's still in that kind of shape, though. I just yeah, that's insane. can't imagine. I couldn't imagine. Plus, all the times you get hit in the head over the years. Yeah, I feel like that's... your mental capacity is uh, decreasing when you keep on getting hit yeah. over and over again. Well, yes, like Tyson that. won the round. It should have won the fight. The three celebrities fighting judges scored the fight a draw. So, so it was a draw? Yeah, I guess it was a draw. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I... Well, that's probably because they're going to do it again for more money but oh yeah <laughs> yeah i i don't know if he'll ever like compete again like professionally or anything how old is mayweather uh, he's not, not obviously not as old as tyson but 
I thought he was pushing 50, maybe. The one I want to see between... Mayweather is 43 years old. Okay. okay. So yeah, so that's that a little bad. bit too old. Did you know that he, like, uh, only was wears one pair of underwear and then throws it out? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how you know when you made it. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably, like, Louis Vuitton. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Something ridiculous. Literally, he's just going to throw it out. What? Whatever. But. I want to see Pacquiao again versus Mayweather, because last time I saw him fight, he looked good. I don't know. Yeah. I heard McGregor, when he comes back for boxing that he does want to go against Pacquiao so we'll see yeah that'd be interesting Pacquiao's a little dude I mean so is Mayweather yeah Mayweather it says he's only 5'8 yeah they're they're pretty little but doesn't he coach Mayweather like he teaches people kind of I know his dad does his dad was his coach yeah and even with Mike Tyson I believe it was a famous boxing coach actually adopted him Hmm. and that's kind of how Mike Tyson came to be you know but moving on to our next part you do hunting fishing like i said you're very manly <laughs> do stuff that i know nothing about andrew do you know anything about hunting and fishing minimal yeah but... i used to fish when i was younger with my uncle and it was mm-hmm. boring <laughs> well i'll just tell you right now i'm not much of a fisher yeah <laughs> uh, fisher of men fisher of men yeah yeah definitely we all need to be that exactly um, <laughs> if you're but. not a Christian and listening to this, you're like, so he's gay. That's not what Jesus meant. Uh, men as an oath. Human. 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 Sure, humans. Yeah. Uh, hunting, yeah, I do. I definitely enjoy hunting more. Fishing, I've never been huge into. So what do you exactly do for hunting? Do you, like, go up north, or do you do bow hunting? Okay, so let's define what is hunting? up north. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. is hunting? I think pretty much everyone has a general sense of what hunting is, but in Wisconsin, for all our worldwide listeners... <laughs> We're Mr. Worldwide, that's right? what we're <laughs> Up north in Wisconsin, you could pretty much draw a line over the top of Madison and Milwaukee, and then on the west side of Madison straight down to the bottom of the state and everywhere else would be up north (laughs) even if it's like the southwest corner of the state so I've hunted several places in Wisconsin over the years as a kid my dad was on a lease so he would basically pay money to hunt private property because you can hunt a lot of public land in Wisconsin Wisconsin actually has a huge amount of public land Hmm. which is very different from a lot of our surrounding states but my dad always hunted lease land because you have a better opportunity at bigger bucks and he was kind of always a trophy hunter okay uh as i was growing up i i'm not so much that the biggest buck i've shot is could maybe score 120s if it didn't have deductions not okay what does that mean hunt, what's that 120 mean because <laughs> we so, know nothing right right uh so essentially in scoring the tines of the buck that you shoot, the tines are the antlers okay. coming out of the, the head. They're, they're bones. They're bones basically that grow out of their heads, and that's the antlers. So if you see like Rudolph, red nosed reindeer, okay. any kind of how many points person. is he worth? Ah, well, depends on which version. Pulp the animated movie. <laughs> he was he was pretty little in that one. Um, yeah, but basically, 120 is 
not huge. Uh, kind of in the middle. Yeah, like it's. It, I was happy with it. Like I was proud of it at the time. But then there's my dad who's got like several bucks over 150 and <laughs> 160 plus. Real huge ones. You're looking at 180 plus. Those are 180 is considered Boone and Crockett, which you think of like Daniel Boone. And okay. It go. It dates back to right. that type of thing. But so, what do you enjoy more, like bow or gun hunting? I enjoy bow hunting more. I think it's more challenging. Uh-huh. Uh, it's definitely more challenging. That's not really an argument, but. I don't. I haven't had a lot of success with the bow. Most of the bow hunting that I've done has been more the recent past. Where when I was a kid, I never really was into it. You know, I wasn't really strong enough to pull back a bow right. that was uh, essentially powerful enough to get an arrow going fast enough to actually right. pierce the animal and kill it. But I do. I mean, I do both. I prefer bow hunting over gun. But if I was gonna go somewhere like out west and do an elk hunt or a mule deer hunt I definitely don't think I would do that with a bow it's just too difficult yeah I in South Dakota they have some mule deer they're pretty ugly and really (laughs) old so what is that a mule deer yeah I never heard Um, of that so there's differences in the tines and kind of I would say they're more if you look them up they're probably what you're gonna see is they're a little bit usually taller tined but not usually as wide if I'm remembering correctly I think mule deer is also yeah so yeah they're a little bit bit taller usually smaller bodies a lot of the times yeah sometimes I think big antlers I think it depends yeah it depends where you're from sometimes I think they're referred to as black tailed deer Mm -hmm. I could be wrong about that but we have mostly white tail in the Midwest and Wisconsin in particular right we really don't have mule deer. They were actually released elk into Wisconsin a little while back, so they're trying to get that herd population going back populated up again. again. Yeah, but that I mean that would be really really was cool. Was that over hunting that that happened? Or yeah, there's uh, basically conservationists trying okay. to re-establish that population in Wisconsin because yeah. it used to be pretty high same same thing with like bison or buffalo basically the same thing mm. um like they got disintegrated basically yeah, yeah. back in the the days where they were worth like, a lot of money what 300 bison left <laughs> yeah i can't remember but that population used to be very small but they didn't really know any better they didn't yeah they, they didn't really have didn't the knowledge they're they were probably people our age going out trying to make a living <laughs> exactly I, that's what i think about i think like you know regardless of whether we do something or not something's going to go extinct yeah whether we like it or not something is like i know the coral reef the great or not the great barrier reef is actually getting destroyed so yeah i mean whether we do something or not you know yeah it looks happen. like with the bison it went down to 325 bison oh my goodness <laughs> so yeah it's bouncing well, back up quite a bit i heard yeah. like uh some stories where they would be like driving in the train like the cowboys and they would just I've just shoot it <laughs> just shoot it as they're going by like didn't collect the pelt or anything i guess yeah. there was no uh, movies to watch on the train so <laughs> it would be boring to be just on a train or something i guess but yeah but granted it was a little bit more extravagant you know back then 
you know. Well, well, maybe not for like the middle class or the poor. I was gonna say there's different cart. <laughs> there's not carts. Uh, what do they call them? Classes. The the individual train. Oh, compartment. Yeah, I, a compartment. A I just know the caboose is at the end. Caboose, yeah. <laughs> there's different. Point being, there's different parts of the train that are more extravagant than others. Yeah, it's the same thing as like planes today. Yeah, you have yeah. your first class and your business class. They only went economy. like thirty. Yes, yeah. <laughs> economy class. What I fly? <laughs> Heck yeah! I just booked uh, my flight too. Fifty nine dollars. I only paid for one way to Florida. So Southwest. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, they have some really good deals right now, and I think the middle seats are still. Like they don't they don't sit people in the middle seats oh. because of COVID. Cool, that works out for yeah. me. Oh well, yeah, they're going bankrupt, right? They keep on having to borrow from the government, and that's just to keep their employees paid because they're not getting any money really. Like what they're making, like how much you say, fifty nine dollars off of you? <laughs> yeah, this will help yeah. with customer service a lot. They'll be more willing to refund stuff like that, stuff like if oh, I don't want to go anymore or whatever. Mm. It'll be more accountable instead because they were really rigid about you know you can't cancel your flight otherwise you have to pay us to cancel it and everything yeah. they won't do that anymore I bet but getting back to hunting I was curious how do you gut an animal like Dakota was telling me a little bit yesterday <laughs> start at like the butt the butthole I don't know yeah. what, the, what the nice way to the anus the sphincter <laughs> yeah yeah essentially some guys will use like two different knives um, a longer one for that part of the deer depending on the size of the deer if it's a big buck you're going to need a longer, thinner knife to kind of pretty much make a circle around the butthole and pull out the poop chute, to put it in terms <laughs> that we use, but I don't know that anatomical or whatever <laughs> terms. The intestines. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, kind of. It's mostly like the colon and that part of the deer. Then you kind of, from there, you would... If you're by yourself, it's tough because holding both the rear <laughs> the rear legs open, like you have the deer on its back and then trying to hold the rear legs off to the side or kind of like kneel on them. Mm-hmm. And you take that first uh, belly fat type layer and the fur from the bottom all the way kind of down mm-hmm. towards the sphincter area <laughs> and work it all the way kind of some guys do it differently the way i've done it is i kind of only take it up to the rib cage area and then from there you can get a gut hook and like rip open the entire rib cage straight up almost to the throat if you really want to so do you have to break through the sternum then uh you don't have to because you can once you've got that all open you can reach up in you basically cut the esophagus and the trachea and from there you can pretty much rip everything right on out and do you do that when you shoot it and you do it right away or do you do it when you bring it back or depends on the drag if you have a long drag like if you're on public land and you have to drag the deer because you can't have a motorized vehicle back there and you have to drag it three quarters of a mile to a mile you're gonna gut it and (laughs) wear its line because it's gonna be heavy but like we did for uh, Pastor Tim actually shot a doe when I was up with them last and we just brought like a sled honestly like yeah. uh, what you would go that was a great to... photo by the way <laughs> which one? I think oh, Dakota yeah, posted yeah. it mm-hmm. of uh, you guys all together yeah just standing there yeah that <laughs> was <laughs> yeah that was great uh, well, no that was about a mile from where he shot it probably but 
yeah, we just you just bring a sled and you throw the deer on the sled. Okay. And that makes it real easy, especially not real easy. It's still a lot of work, depending how far it is. But if there's snow on the ground mm -hmm. or you're going down a hill, it's super easy. But once you get to those uphill climbs, it's yeah. <laughs> it can be a struggle. So we'll we'll tie like a big stick to the end of the rope to the sled and have two guys just kind of pushing or dragging at the same time. Mm. So we got that one up pretty quick for how far away it was actually. But well, what do yeah, you, you guys were pretty all experienced yeah. hunters too, so that yeah. helps. Yeah. What do you find is easier, hunting in a tree stand like or in a blind? Uh, easier. Uh, a blind is going to be easier from the standpoint of comfort mm -hmm. and being warm you can't really hunt a blind you can hunt a ground blind on public land and you could bring in like a pro, little propane heater and you could sit in that thing all day and be fine it, it is weather dependent you might have better luck and visibility you're gonna have better visibility out of a tree stand guaranteed yeah. uh but i've done both so like when i was growing up as a kid my dad on the private land we had a bunch of box blinds built and set up literally like probably 15, 20 feet high using four by fours and framing. He's a carpenter. So he, he figured out a system that worked really well to do that. And we would put windows all the way around it. So you could have really good visibility, but I'd say for public land hunting guys have success both ways, but tree stands usually a better option usually tree stands are in more open areas i think right if I'm... um you can get into less open areas i mean you want to typically be somewhere that there's a lot, like deer sign like trails uh -huh. and scrapes or scrape would be where a deer is kind of marking it's kind of like dogs do like they'll right. just, just pee in a certain spot to mark their territory deer do similar things so they'll scrape the ground, poop in it, pee in it, scrape it. It's just what they do. Yeah. And so if you're in one of those areas and you get a good tree that you can climb, they make different types of tree stands. So there's climbers, which you don't need to set up like ladder sticks on the tree and then set up the tree stand and strap it in. Like you're kind of climbing up the tree oh. with this climber. Interesting. Almost like utility pole workers. Would, right. I forget the linemen, I think they're mm -hmm. called, but that's kind of... That's what we use typically on public land. I think you can now leave your stands overnight in public land legally, but they can get stolen, which yeah. is can be a problem. Not likely, but you can lock your stand as well. Too. So what do you do when you sit up there, <laughs> other than when you shoot something? Well, um, it's a good time to take a nap, usually. <laughs> Probably not supposed to do that. Yeah, that doesn't seem too safe. <laughs> well, a lot of guys wear safety harnesses. I have, not every time, yeah. uh, I'll tell you that. But there's areas where you, by law, have to wear a safety harness, like Fort McCoy, it's an area I've never hunted before. We hunted there one time this year, and you have to wear a safety harness. So I wore a safety harness. Oh, I was but, about to say, I'm like, how do they know if you did or not? They really, they don't. They don't. But like, that was, I'm also not huge on just jumping into a spot that I don't know. I didn't know that land at all. Mm -hmm. We kind of drove around. and just, It's a huge area. We kind of found yeah. some spots we were going to set up in, and 
a lot of people hunt that too. So like I got up in my stand up in the tree and not even 15 minutes later, I could see another hunter walking towards where I was at. Okay. And then he literally sat down probably 30 yards from me, didn't see me. Oh. Uh, my camo must have been great, but he didn't see me, so I was literally whistling at him to get his attention and like yeah. waving at him so he would leave. Because like, usually hunters are pretty respectful, and if you're in an area before them, they'll oh. leave. They'll go find another spot. They're not usually jerks. Yeah, how does that go? Because like you don't want to accidentally shoot somebody. So, they wear yeah. orange, right? Well, I mean, you were wearing camo, correct? This was bow season. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, you don't. You don't have, you to, have wear, to wear different clothings for. You don't have to wear blaze orange during bow season. Okay. That's the difference. When you're gun gun season, yeah, you have to wear blaze orange. So this guy wasn't wearing blaze orange. I wasn't wearing blaze orange. Part of why he probably didn't see me right away. He was an older guy too, but um, he had a crossbow. So basically, a short range gun, if you ask. Oh, right. <laughs> Avid bow hunters, but my dad used a crossbow, so. I can't really say anything. I had to use a crossbow one time. I actually broke my thumb one hunting season just Dang. before it when I wanted to use a bow for the first time. So I couldn't. So my dad let me use his crossbow, which is cool. I got a deer with it, but it would have been, I could have got it with an actual bow. It was that close. So cross. I mean, if you're a good bow hunter, you can shoot ranges similar that a crossbow can hit accurately. But... It, it just depends on skill level, practice. Do you use the release thing, or do you, yeah. like, over yeah. by Yeah, I use a release. So it's like a little, it's got a trigger on it, uh-huh. essentially. It locks into the loop, and then when you pull the bow back, it obviously it's not going to release until you hit that trigger again. Yeah, I got to get back into using my bow. I have one, but... Is it a compound? Uh, I think so i'm not quite sure i haven't used it in forever but it'd be nice to get back into yeah we'll it's see. a fun hobby honestly as well just fun to yeah. do you know it's not it's, once you're into it you're not spending a lot of money to do it honestly can, it'd be a good thing for covid right yeah. it's not a lot of people around if you're going to like an archery place or something yeah oh i thought good you were saying like apocalyptic wise like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No. Okay. i think a bow would be great <laughs> But uh, other than hunting, do you have, like, anything else you kind of like to do? Like, you got any guilty pleasures, John? <laughs> guilty pleasures? <laughs> like, for me, uh, I uh, I really, I don't know, before I go to bed, uh-huh. I like to watch, <laughs> I like to watch competitive food eating videos. Oh, my goodness. What? <laughs> I, I don't know why. It just soothes me. It makes me feel like my stomach's full and then I go to sleep. I think that's what it is. I don't know. Um, honestly... You rock out to Katy Perry sometimes, you know? <laughs> no, never done that. Baby, uh, <laughs> I oh, I was trying to think about that when you sent me what we were going to be talking about. And I, I just, I don't really think there's a lot. They're not guilty? You just, no, if you enjoy it, I mean, you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of your classic, or I was at least, like your classic stereotypical guy where I would get into something, like, super hard for a long time yeah. and then drop it, like... At the drop of a hat. So, like, I did that for a while with a lot of things. What so, were some of those things? I'd say snowboarding was one of them. Huh. I usually go once 
maybe twice a year. And that's kind of where this hoodie came from. <laughs> so, oh. It's got two bolts on it. It says bolts. It says bolts. <laughs> that was... Uh, How does that go to snowboarding? I don't know. <laughs> Someone who so, does a snowboard, I'm like, this makes no sense. It's not going to make sense to many snowboarders out there anyways. But it was... Uh, I was friends with... I'm still friends with him. But Robbie Reed is his name in high school. And... He designed these things because when oh. you were when we were out snowboarding and someone did like a cool trick, we would be like, "Oh, that was bolts, bro!" Like it was so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's like but another, it's a cool. It was another, I know, like this thing is sick. Like, like it looks legit. It's I get the apart, joke. I get it. This is yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah. So it was just kind of a little slang term that came out. And okay. So he made hoodies out of it. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I, I picked the design. He made three of them. I was like, this is the one. <laughs> and the- that's what we did. But, uh, yeah, so snowboarding for a while. I still, again, I'll do that mm. once, maybe twice a year at most. I would still probably love to go to Colorado or somewhere with some mm-hmm. actual mountains. Here in Wisconsin, yeah. we have little baby hills compared to that. But that for a while probably motorcycling dirt yeah biking, how why did you stop riding your motorcycle uh honestly it was kind of a priority change okay in my life kind of just moved on from it and was putting that money into my house at that point yeah and just preparing for the future, which didn't involve motorcycles. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know I, I have a moped, which is as cool as a motorcycle. Cool. <laughs> Your moped actually is cool. Like, I like Thank it. you. Um, but yeah, I've almost gotten hit a couple times myself. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, and it's like, it's a bright neon yellow <laughs> moped. And the people yeah. see still don't see you. And it's, yeah, it's pretty really insane. Don't. Yeah, there was one time I was... Is it the, I think it's the Marquette Interchange, the one that's right by downtown there. Okay. Milwaukee. You're going over, like, the highest part of it, and you can kind of start to see the U.S. Bank building and mm-hmm. the lakefront there and everything. And I was I was actually on my way. It's funny because you just had Nick on your podcast. Yeah. And I was on my way to actually visit his college with him and sit in on a philosophy class with him. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's Concordia, so that's... Grafton or further maybe I don't, I don't remember but and I was on my way to that and I wasn't I mean really speedy I was keeping up with traffic yeah. I was in the third lane um, from the left and this car flew over two lanes didn't even look at all yeah. and if I didn't slam on the throttle and speed up she would have hit me in the, like the rear tire and I would have probably been injured pretty good but that was kind of a scary moment that was really one of the only ones yeah i've gone way faster than needs to be stated (laughs) Uh, don't even want to state it was uh, it did it have three digits john there may have been three digits (laughs) with a decimal point not after the first two (laughs) but yeah, that's a need-to-know basis. <laughs> yeah. We we won't uh, pry. So, was it 121? No. <laughs> yeah, I actually, one of my friends, he knew somebody, 
I know, it's like, my friend who knows a friend. Yeah. But anyways, it's a crazy story. It's worth sharing. Mm-hmm. He was riding his motorcycle, and some guy saw him driving his motorcycle, got out of his car, and then, like, killed him. Killed the guy driving the motorcycle huh. because he thought he was a racist because he what? was driving a motorcycle. Yes. I swear. How did he? What? How did he? Kill I know it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. How did he kill? Yeah, how did he? Well, I gun? don't remember. I don't remember if it was a gun or if he ran him over. I want to say. Wait, you said he got out of his car, right? Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's I'm some. There's like, some holes he opened in this. the car. He door the and car. The bike, the I, he either he got out or shot him. Oh. Or he went and ran him over. But anyways, he killed him because he thought he was a racist, but just because he was riding a motorcycle. That's messed up. I and mean, there are racist motorcycle gangs for sure. But well, there's racist cooks. <laughs> well, there's, yeah. Yeah, there's racist, there's racist everybody. everybody but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the world we live in. <laughs> I just, was, well, because I had asked my friend, I was like, why aren't you riding your motorcycle? He's like, I'm going to take a break. And he told me <laughs> what had happened. I was like, that's... I would too. I would too. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that's so dumb. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've seen so many. I've, I've ridden bikes with all the different colors under the yeah. sun. Like, it's not, it's something that should be uniting people. It's not something that should yeah. give How cause to that. often do people get together and ride their bikes? Like I did like pretty often. When I when I was riding, I would ride with Dakota Pettit, uh, Craig Miller, mm-hmm. like a bunch of those guys. He has Ducati, doesn't he? He probably has a couple. <laughs> Gosh, I can't keep up with <laughs> the bikes that he has. Are you Dakotas or Craig? Oh, whoever. Dakota and Craig both had a Ducati at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still do. I think Dakota's getting another one. Uh, he has a Yamaha right now, from what I remember. I've only seen it one time, mm. but yeah, I had a Yamaha for a while, R6, and then before that, an FZ6R, which is like a toned-down mm. version of an R6. But How many bugs, like, hit your A lot, helmet? oh, a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, if you're, if you're riding at night, coming back from, like, Burlington area, or a lot of, like, oh. woody, woodsland area, so many, like... One time I could barely see, so I had to lift up my visor. It was so bad. And then it's getting on my glasses, and then you have to stop and clean your glasses. It was so terrible. But, yeah, that'll happen at night, especially. Yeah, and I feel like Milwaukee is actually one of the safer cities to drive in because so many people ride motorcycles due to Harley-Davidson kind of being founded in Milwaukee. Yeah. But I can't imagine living, like, in L.A. or, like, places like that. Yeah. And there's, yeah. It also depends on the, well, it really depends on the person riding the bike because you can yeah. be pretty much as crazy as you want to be and get away with a lot. Um, but there's always like that. here you can't, yeah, here you can't lane split. Like there's certain areas where you can actually lane split it to like get to the front of like a stoplight mm-hmm. um, or I don't, I don't know if it's legal anywhere to lane split on the freeway. But people do it, and like that's yeah. super yeah. dangerous. So and a dying. Yeah, those are always the people that are like, yeah, no, I know why you guys died. That's why. <laughs> this is why. This is why. That's yeah. when you lose sympathy for those people. <laughs> when those people do those things, but yeah. But anyways, I think we should transition to our next uh, part, which is weird Bible stories. Oh boy, weird Bible stories. (laughs) I'm going to let Andrew take the reins on this one. Well, These uh, are not going to be the ones that you hear in Sunday school. (laughs) 
the weirdest ones I think the weirdest book of the Bible has to be like I've said before judges you have yeah. obviously you have Balaam's donkey talking to him <laughs> you have um, the story of the the fat guy who got killed I think what, what book is it? where what Judges 3, where this guy... Eglon. I don't remember his name. Like, what did you say? Eglon. Eglon? Or Eglon. I don't know how to pronounce (laughs) it. Eglon, Eglon. Yeah. He he has this person... Yeah, he had this person come over. I don't remember the... Ehud. Ehud. (laughs) Thank you. I got Um, you. (laughs) Do we need John to tell the story? (laughs) Ehud goes in he gets searched on one leg i think it was he was left-handed so they searched his opposite leg or something no no no. then um the dagger first of all the dagger i just i, I read we'll let john tell this story. Yeah. I, I read it pretty recently so it's pretty fresh i was actually talking to cassidy uh, that's my girlfriend about this recently and because she had just read it, and so she texted me, and she's like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever read. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, so Ehud was a Benjamite, and the Bible specifically says that he's left-handed. There are, Benjamites are associated with being left-handed pretty often, actually. I think Saul was a Benjamite who was also a left-handed warrior. But uh, basically, he has a dagger, and the Bible says the dagger is a cubit long. So okay. a cubit in the Bible is anywhere from 12 inches to 18 inches. So like this That's is huge. this is no joke of a dagger. So, so a crocodile yeah. dundee style. This, this is a beefy <laughs> dagger, and it says the Bible says it was on his right thigh. So if they did search, I don't recall if it says they searched him. I would assume they would have searched him if he was coming into this king or whoever this yeah. Eglon was. But he was on his right thigh mm-hmm. when he walked into the. They would search Area. the opposite. They searched the opposite one. They didn't find anything. They left the room, and he goes in, stabs him, and it says, I think it says the dirt came out when he did uh, that, when he stabbed him. Well, first him. of all, you can't miss this part of the story, because it's <laughs> yeah. great. He walks in, and he says, I have a message from God for you, and then stabs him. <laughs> yeah, no joke. And it Jeez. says that the fat covered the dagger, like the hilt of the dagger went all the way in. And the fat covered up. So this that. twelve to eighteen inch <laughs> yeah. long dagger. This, this guy was, must have been huge. This was a big boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this guy ain't getting yeah. up. <laughs> no. Yeah. He lives in that room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I've heard of that where like people like heftier men will get robbed and like they'll get stabbed, but like it's a three inch blade, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm fine." <laughs> Literally, it doesn't even get close to their vitals. <laughs> yeah, that's a definitely a weird one. Uh, what else? The, well, this is the not safe for work one. Uh, so it's uh, Judges 19, I think. Oh, so I, uh, if you're one. a child and listening to this, Children, if you're, this is 18 uh, and above. So. so this guy goes to um, the land of wherever the tribe of Benjamin was. Um, and he gets married to this. Uh, concubine. It was a and, Levite that got married to okay. con- concubine. Yeah. Because Levites didn't have land allotted to them like all the other tribes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Anyways, I'll let you continue. He goes and like has like a party for so many days straight. I'm not exactly sure how many days straight it was, but he's at his, his father-in-law's house for a ridiculous amount of time. Like 
you should not be partying that many days straight. Um, <laughs> then he goes into the city. He's, he's on his way out to leave, and he goes into the city, and he decides he wants to party one, one or two more days there. And um, the people of the city are drunk or whatever, and they want someone to have fun with. So the the first the guy's house he's in is like, no, we're not sending anyone out, but... They sent, he sends out the concubine and they literally rape her to death. She gets back to the house. She's in like the doorway yeah. of the house. The threshold of the door, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he opens up the door, tells her to get up. Obviously, she's dead. She ain't getting up. He cuts her up, sends her to the, the tribes. And it's like a one versus 11 tribe. Uh, war. Yeah. Why did they cut her up anyway? So he could have proof that she was essentially. Yeah, he was essentially trying to use it as a call to war against. Like, look at what these Benjamites did. Oh. Okay. So. Yeah. I think from that story, I think the Bible says that it was like four hundred thousand versus twenty six thousand or something along those lines. (laughs) And well, the, the thing about it. If you read it, um, the Benjamites actually were kind of kicking their butt the first couple of days. They like they went to God and were asking God, like, should we go and fight these Benjamites for what they did? And God says, yeah, go. And then they get their butt kicked. They lose a ton of people. Uh, they weep. They uh, cry out to God again. And he says, yeah, go again get their butt kicked they go back they're like all right god what's going on like should we like are you can we do this are we gonna win this time and god's like yeah i'll give them into your hand now and that's when they actually kind of wiped out the benjamites they almost completely wiped them out yeah i think there was only four or six hundred of them left wow. at the end of the story like kind of a sparta <laughs> thing kind of yeah was so i'm confused which one was the four hundred thousand one? The all tribes. the other tribes oh okay yeah. mm-hmm. so they all went to war against the benjamites yeah yeah wow mm-hmm. that's insane yeah there's some of the benjamite warriors were incredibly gifted i think there's a verse that says about 700 of them or something like that could throw a stone at a hand's breadth without missing or something along mm-hmm. those lines like David type accuracy, like not, yeah. not missing at all. What tribe is David from? Benjamin, right? Or Judah, right? Oh yeah, he had Judah. to be Judah. Uh, Judah. He yeah. was in the lineage of Jesus as well. Yeah, you think Joseph bragged about being from David? He's like, yeah, I'm from David. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of a big deal. Well, was it? Was it Joseph that was David's line, or was it Mary? Yeah, it was, it was, it was Joseph. Joseph. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But obviously, you know your Bible quite well, so. Kind of. I mean, <laughs> you. Kn- I feel like I really don't compared to some of the people that I know, but. You know more. I've than grown up the in average. It for a while. So yeah. 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 Um, but anyways, you had gone to a mission trip in Africa. Do you want to tell yeah, us what twice, that was like? Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about uh, that. First trip or second trip? <laughs> Both. Let's start with the first one. Both. We'll okay. start with actually the journey getting there. Is there any like crazy stories about on the way getting there? Or? Uh, well, the O'Hare uh, International Airport has a restaurant called Lao Bao. If 
you ever, have you had uh, Bao before? Do you know what that no, is? No, I have no idea which genre. Um, Bao, I think it's spelled B-A-O. It's basically like little dumplings, almost like Chinese. Oh. I don't know. I think they're Chinese origin. Oh, you know what? There was like that little cartoon. Thing. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah they're kind of like Pixar. Asian dumplings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, essentially Asian. They're made with like white flour, though, so usually mm. are bleached. I don't know. They're super usually white, but they're delicious. I've yeah. never had it before. Um, so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of one last, like, good food you're going to have until you get over to Kenya. But other than the stuff that we bring. But I went twice. So the first trip, oh, gosh, I think I was, I don't know if I was even 18 yet. Maybe. Okay. But, and then I went last year in 2019. First trip, there's a lot of differences, I guess, between the first time that I went and then the most recent time. And that that just depends on like who's all going, mm-hmm. uh, what the agenda of the trip was. We did similar things on both trips. So things that we would do on both trips, we would have a pastor's seminar for leaders and ministers and pastors of local congregations and it's not Kenya's it's obviously much different than yeah than our church structure here we are we are very organized very mm-hmm. uh, structured like you know what's a UPCI church and what isn't essentially like mm-hmm. over there there's a lot of differences in I guess I mean, there's obviously difference in doctrinal teachings here, but like a Methodist over in Kenya could still be a Pentecostal type Methodist. Like they could still believe in... It's very loose in comparison. Yeah, essentially. Mm. Like they, they sometimes don't even understand fully what they, what they believe. They just kind of go off of what they teach. So... I'm going to just take a step back. So you have to prepare, like, does someone comes up to you and asks you to come to Africa, Mm -hmm. correct? Right. I think it's usually Dana, right? Yeah, Dana is the, Dana Gladusky is usually the leader, essentially. And you guys go through Ripples, is that correct? Yeah, Ripples is the organization, it's called Ripples International, it's an organization over in Kenya that was founded by uh, her name is mercy mm-hmm. and her, i think i don't know if it was just her if it was probably more to it than that i don't know the full depth of the story but she founded this organization and what it's become now um again i don't know the grassroots of it but there's a school there uh, oh. for children there's an orphanage there there is a a rescue center for basically abused fatherless girls kind of deal. Yeah. It's called the Tumini Center. Uh, the orphanage is also for like abandoned babies as well. It's mm-hmm. not just, it's, it's kind of also an adoption center type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the school and then, yeah, they do it. They do a lot for their, yeah their local area as so much as they can. Do you guys bring, supplies i believe right so like what do you pack when you go on a trip like this i mean obviously your basics 
clothes you'll if you don't like the food over there which i pretty much tried everything over there that i could yeah uh, like some Does people literally bring sick? their own food it, the first trip i didn't get sick at all i think i was the only one who didn't, who didn't get, get sick on the first yeah. time i went which it's just that your stomach's not used to that it's type not, of cuisine yeah, it's not yeah you're not allowed to eat stuff like that right like if they offer you something are you allowed to eat it it depends how it's cooked if it's boiled uh, it's yeah. pretty safe if it's not boiled you want to kind of be careful about it but I there was one day on this most recent trip uh, last year's trip that we weren't supposed to eat the kind of like snack lunchy type meal after the first break in the seminar but I did it anyways and <laughs> I was totally fine like the only the drink I had was tea that had obviously been boiled right already so I knew that that was fine and then it was kind of like this weird vegetable. I don't know how to describe it. Like okay. it tasted fine, but <laughs> usually the fruit and vegetables are relatively safe. It's like the meat and right. the other items that if they're not like either cooked with water that's been boiled or actually that's the cooking method kind of thing, mm -hmm. then it's usually can be a problem. But So are you going to the same part of Kenya every time? Yeah, it has been because that's where Ripples is. Uh -huh. uh, this l recent trip, we first stopped in, do you guys know who uh, Kimani, Kimani is? Yeah, yeah. You remember sure. him? Yeah. I yeah. think yeah. I just saw him on Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, no, that's probably Gideon. Okay. He's kind of new. But anyway, <laughs> he is from uh, Africa. Actually, I've talked to him a little bit, but Kimani is originally from Kenya. Okay. And so... Our first stop was to his home village, like in Kenya, and it's middle of nowhere type of deal. Like yeah. it's pretty rural. Once you're outside of Nairobi, which is where you fly into from yeah. our layover, and and how long is that flight? I'm just curious. So from here, or from O'Hare, which is in Chicago, to London, which is where our uh, layover was the first time. I think it was seven and a half, maybe eight hours. Okay. Uh, we lay we laid over in Switzerland, um, in twenty nineteen. That was probably it's pretty much the same. And yeah. then from there down to Nairobi is about another eight hours. Okay. And then from the airport, it's <laughs> uh, the first trip. We took a bus ride right away. Like there was no break. Wait. Yeah, in six hours straight to where we were staying. Wow. which was just Mercy's house. I've been on both the trips where it was smaller teams, so I've been blessed in that sense and being able to just stay at Mercy's house. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think the year like Nick and Ben Contino went, they got not stuck per se, but like they had to stay in the Tumani Center because there wasn't enough room. Yeah. Like, they had cold showers the whole time. Like there was, oh. there was no Yeah, it's no not like uh, AYC trip. No. Like this is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is legit it's, like... Yeah, I, I have nothing against AYC trips. I oh, was planning I, I on do. going I one. Yeah. <laughs> when you're going to Fiji and Hawaii, I mean... <laughs> they, they need it too! They, they need it too! <laughs> they every, need Jesus! Everybody needs Jesus. But, I'm just messing. I don't have any. No, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. There's that, That's very entry-level Titan Missions trip. Yeah. Um, but that honestly, like that kind of thing is what modern-day missionaries get to do, though. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not all, like, <laughs> yeah. just constantly going to this village and that village i mean for some yeah there's yeah probably periods wow periods of time 
like that. But yeah, so you get there. It's been you've been driving six hours. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that you do? You just what what is it like? Daytime, nighttime? Do you? Uh, it was it was nighttime when we got there on my first trip. And so I was just trying to sleep as much as you can on the bus ride because you're trying to get adjusted to the time zone because it's mm-hmm. quite different. I think it's seven or eight hours difference. Wow. Okay. And, yeah, just trying to get as much sleep as you can. We'll usually do, like, a devotion together on the bus, um, just praying together and things of that nature. And Then you get to Mercy's house, kind of get unpacked, settle in. Yeah. And... The next, usually the next day is a pretty chill day. Like, we're not... Yeah. Um, just trying going to get any, acclimated yeah, a little yeah, bit. Not going anywhere crazy and kind of just doing... We would typically would go to, like, Ripples or maybe a village or a, a school a lot of times mm-hmm. um, and just do, like, a small lesson and maybe hand out some, whether it's Bibles or little backpacks with some little gifts. Like, they just, they love, like, even like the smallest stuff like yeah. it's it's so different like you can give them a dumb dumb like sucker and yeah they would treasure that thing like they're gonna eat it right away of course but like, yeah they're they're treasure and then they'd love you for it and they appreciate it so much whereas here you can take away a kid's ipad and they'll scream at you for 30 minutes like, yeah. it's so it's incredibly different dana was i remember her mentioning that you have to actually like bribe the people like to, in order to get like some of the candy in is that right or uh so i don't she may have run into that problem some of the trips like when you're in T, their tsa if you want to call it yeah. that is that's not, what she's talking about right. i remember she had i yeah. think she said she had to like kind of bribe them in order to get like the food into the country yeah there there is some of that that goes on yeah uh, cause, i mean the guards you don't know where they're going home to sleep at night. Like, they could be in a village that's starving, too, kind of yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not necessarily in Nairobi. Nairobi's somewhat modernized. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not nothing crazy. Like, they don't even have a good road system there, really. Like, there are roads, but instead of, like, traffic signs, it's speed bumps every... <laughs> anywhere from 200 to 500 yards. It's All ridiculous. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, a little yeah. bumpy. Yeah, and you have to slow. Like we're in a big bus, we have to slow down for them every time, kind of yeah. deal. But yeah, we do so a lot of cool things. The majority of Africa is still like sorted out by tribes, like even politically, still, if I'm correct. Like at least in your experience in Kenya. Uh, honestly, we only went to like what when you think of like an African tribe, and you're thinking of like warriors still using like spears type thing and and being able to hunt like the the actual like african land like we don't go to a lot of those types of villages like even that like even just day to day yeah uh you know i really that's a good question i don't know how it is in most of africa or really even in kenya we did go to uh, a samburu tribe is what they're called so like that's a specific tribe but yeah from what mercy who's kind of the leader of everything over there her husband he is originally i think from ghana and he's like a leader of a tribe in ghana so oh. maybe ghana's wow. maybe more separated like that i don't know too much about that yeah but. so 
I know one day you guys had built um, houses. Was that correct? Yeah. Which one? If you want to like, call them that. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell us about that? Because you are, yeah. and your dad are both kind of. Are you considered a carpenter or? Yeah. I'm okay. Go with that carpenter, general contractor, basically. So. See, manly man. <laughs> sure. But yeah, so you get to these villages and their version of a house is like the biggest stakes that they can find all placed next to each other with maybe some scrap metal for like holding up the interior mm-hmm. of the siding and whatnot. And what we do is it's super cheap to do as yeah. far as um, financially. The work is pretty difficult, but what we do is based on part of like our cost for paying the trip goes to this or people can sponsor mm-hmm. um, another one of these houses. But we'll go in and they'll hire usually three, maybe four like Kenyan carpenters kind okay. of thing. And they will assist us in their system is they'll have kind of how you would kind of do it here where it's not a, you're not laying a concrete foundation or anything like that, but you are starting at the bottom with bigger, uh, beefier pieces of wood, not even two by four quality. Like they're not straight yeah. at all. Like it's, it's not nothing like here. But. So do they like just find these? logs and sticks no these ones are yeah these ones are legitimately brought in by these um contractors yeah contractors okay. carpenters over there and get we gotta unload them off the truck and bring them into the village like last year though we were in this one and it was surrounded by like these really sharp thorn bushes to keep wild animals out and so in there, like that, those bushes knocked down the wind so much. Like it was a really windy day as soon yeah. as you step outside and it was actually kind of cool. It was nice. But then you get inside here and it's red hot sand Yeah. and you're just dying, sweating and right in the sun all day. And, but they're, they're used to that. They don't, nothing new to them, but for so us, how it's would you and, build it? You said you had to yeah. lay the foundation. Yeah. Essentially you start with the bottom and you're kind of making I'd say it'd be about a, this one was bigger. This was like a triple decker type of deal. Not like (laughs) height wise, but like width. It was, it was wider than any one we've done before. And so I'd say it's probably 30 feet by eight feet or so. I guess it's decent size, Mm -hmm. maybe 30s pushing it. But yeah, laying those ones out, they would use machetes to kind of, carve off like angles and then those angles would get seamed together and literally hand nail everything together and then same thing you'd build them you'd build up the structural pieces going vertically on the corners and wherever they were going to divide out a room once that's all set you do you do the top around as well kind of like the bottom and Kind of brace it the same way you would brace an exterior garage wall or something that you're putting up here. Just having an angled piece kind of holding it. Usually there's enough people that are holding stuff to be able to brace everything. Yeah. Uh, for the roof, it's just like sheet metal, like tin sheet metal. Kind of like those pieces that you'll see that just kind of fit into each other mm-hmm. um, to keep out any rain, which they don't get a hold. A whole ton of rain uh, in that area we were in, but 
that's the roof. And then for the siding, it's like any, it, the, it ranges so much. Anywhere from like four inch pieces to like 10 inch pieces wide that you literally have to hand saw to the right length. Yeah, I know you guys time. have brought in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, but, we brought uh, in Milwaukee electricals. Yeah. <laughs> we brought some Milwaukee skill saws. They had donated, and, correct? Yeah, Milwaukee yeah. donated them, which was really cool. And then they had donated batteries, and Ripples lost the batteries that we had there <laughs> from the year before. <laughs> so we didn't have our saws. So that, uh, that was a... That was a bummer. Yeah, honestly. it's not like you can go anywhere yeah. and pick up the batteries. No, those are, yeah, no, those are pretty specialty type batteries. And, but yeah, I mean, we got it. You get it mostly done. We didn't completely finish that one because it was so huge. Granted, mm-hmm. it was, like, it was Ian, my dad, uh, Richie, and I, and then all the, their carpenters, some of the guys from Ripples, but, like, some of those guys aren't very handy. Like, it's, yeah. it just trying to get them to sit there and hammer for the entire day. I think it's not going to happen. Like yeah. They don't have that muscle memory. They're not used to that. They're going to get carpal tunnel or whatever Yeah. <laughs> by the end of the day. But, yeah, that's that's really cool. I'm just seeing the joy on the face of, like, the thing. Because you, you meet the family that's going to be living there. Yeah. And you know who they're going to be. And, like, there was a woman with, like, five or six kids, and we give them some food and everything kind of set all that up i know one year we built a house for these ladies and and the ladies of the village they literally came in and like danced in the house and like pray <laughs> there's a lot of dancing in kenya yeah like, did you join them in the dancing yeah i did yeah yeah <laughs> so how did they uh, dance there like how does i'm i'm legitimately curious i'm like you know it's it it varies um i feel like it's a lot of feet stomping kind of there like, is a lot of that yeah they move their feet a lot like when you're they're dancing with us. They know that we don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Like they don't know the moves, <laughs> right? We don't, we don't got their moves, but so that's kind of just like we'll do whatever mm-hmm. type of dancing. But they they coordinate some of their dances like pretty well. It's pretty impressive. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it it is really cool, and their language is so cool too because they're singing when they're dancing too. They're not just dancing in silence. Like they're yeah. singing, so it's it's really cool to see. What country colonized Kenya? Like, you're asking me the history of Kenya. I, I was no asking that in general. So I was really uh, asking Nathan to look it up. England. Who colonized? If I have to guess, it's probably because I know Ethiopia is the only one that didn't get colonized. Oh, um, really? yeah. The rest the of British the British Empire. Okay. Hey, okay. I said England. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. So you're actually well, modern, right. modern day England is. Is that, would that be considered the same? Well, <laughs> I mean, if you're counting all the, the colonial locations they secured, no, but... Yeah, okay, so the reason why I thought it was that was actually we, at the end of our trip, will go on a safari, which, it's cool, like, yeah, it's cool. I got real close to wild elephants, which was, well, okay, calling them wild is one thing. They're probably high-fenced, but it is what it is. And there was this, it's literally a crater. Uh, oh, wow. And it was full of water, like perfectly clear water. And it was essentially a bomb that got dropped in the wrong spot mm-hmm. from back during some war. I forgot what they were telling us about it. It might have been World War Two, But during some of the times when uh, these, these areas were 
colonized or whatever and we're flying over. Or I think what it was That's is, the Horn of Africa, right? Kenya? Uh, not exactly. I don't... I think it's south. Uh, it's like southeast. Because they're might in Italy, I think. Anyways, like this... This area on the safari was... I think what had happened was England saw the city lights in Nairobi because mm-hmm. that that's like the biggest city there and for some odd reason I forget why but literally a bomb was dropped in this spot huh. and it was like a giant crater it was pretty cool yeah. <laughs> didn't swim in it but went down there and like kind of hung out there oh so you could feet in get the water. yeah you, you could, could actually out. get in and out of it yeah they swam in it one year I think yeah. but the animals can't get out of it because it's really deep right but yeah well, not all animals. I'm sure there's some some that could. some can do it. Yeah. Uh, Kenya is in the Horn of Africa, so. But I think this is a good place to end it. I think uh, we talked about pretty much everything we want to talk about. Was there anything about Kenya you want to talk about? Like uh, anything that kind of stuck out to you? Would you well, suggest it to people to do it, or absolutely? Or what I would mean, you say to people who are interested in it? I think a trip like this, you need to. Uh, really do you do need to be prepared spiritually for one uh, there's a lot of things we ran into that you do not run into here mm. uh, like witchcraft and demon possession mm. would probably be the top two yeah <laughs> that you see over there that it's not so clear here and you don't always run into it but just being able to I guess get in touch with God before you go so that he can use you on a mission trip when you're over there like there's so many people that we were able to impact and if we weren't ready I think spiritually it would have had less of an effect if at all you know like there was this one village we went to this most recent time and as soon as we got there like you could we could all pretty much feel um, like that easiness yeah like it was like there's resistance there and there was and like before we even got off the bus there was a guy who was <laughs> at the end of the trip they, uh, they thought he had the spirit of drunkenness essentially mm-hmm. he didn't seem drunk but he definitely was possessed in some way and he was like shaking this like maraca thing and these feathers mm-hmm. Just, I don't know what the connection mm-hmm. with witchcraft and feathers is but there's, there's obviously something to it but Probably nature. Something, something like that. Yeah. There, there, you see a lot of... Like, there's another lady in that same village who came up dancing with a, like, feathered mask on and it cut out of cardboard and it was just real weird. It's super weird. I don't even know how to describe it. Is it without, cardboard? It was literally cut out of cardboard. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But she was clearly doing something. Trying to uh, intimidate you guys. Yeah. But you just deal with it. Even the Kenyans, like, from Ripple's that were there with us they saw the way like we handled those situations they were like wow we would never do that like we would just let them do their thing we don't want to confront it like you guys did but you kind of need to otherwise it's a huge distraction so what did you guys do trying to do with the drunk dude or whatever i'm calling that um i I would just say he was possessed but he kind of pulled him off to the side right away and just a couple of the team members were dealing with him. Eventually, he was delivered, and oh, um, we set him up with 
a local uh, Pentecostal pastor there, which was cool. So uh, you casted, well, not you, not but... Not me specifically. Well, yeah. The group casted yeah. out of people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Kit CU, I think, was the one who was praying for him when he was delivered, but Kitsy is Kitsy Pulaski, if you know. Okay. I don't know. Uh, if you know Maddie, I think it's her grandma. Okay. But real real close friends with Dana and everything like that and huge part of donations to Ripples but anyways um, this other lady too like Kitsy and I just walked up to her right away and Kitsy made her take the mask off and like yeah. just started a conversation with her find out what was going on and eventually she left I don't know what happened with her uh, there's just a lot going on when you're in these villages there's mm-hmm. thousands of people usually and like school children too <laughs> like it's yeah. their entire school comes out so you're trying to you're trying to give them a message you're trying to have a worship service with them um, it's more than just showing up and giving them stuff like it's not yeah. really the end goal the end goal is to set up people in these villages that can direct and lead them spiritually you know? yeah. and there's a good amount of that village that were Holy Ghost filled already and mm-hmm. baptized and we were able to meet with them uh, and pray over them and everything it was, it was really cool really cool experience yeah so I mean the harder it is the more I feel like fulfilling something is yeah just definitely. in general and especially to this you know? absolutely so but thank you guys for listening this was John we'll definitely have to have him on again because yeah, he's got lots of interesting stories <laughs> yeah. so I'm signing off Andrew Goodbye.